Open your Bibles with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 2. We're essentially in the same passage we were in last week, looking at the message of the angels and what it has to say to us about who we are, about who God is, and about our relationship with Him. And I wanted to focus uh, in particular on verse 14 today. It's a passage that uh, is oft quoted. Um, it's a passage that has some level of confusion surrounding it. It's a passage that deals with the matter, the issue of peace. And peace is one of those things that we all hope for, we all long for, we all look for, but which is so very elusive in so many ways. When you think of, just for instance, the United States, of the 247 years the United States have been in existence, 228 of those we have been at war. Less than 20 years of our existence as a nation have been, quote, at peace. But it's not just a national issue. It is very much a personal issue. As we sit here today, Many of us are struggling with the concept of peace. We have uncertainties about our futures. We're going through changes. We're going through things that we didn't ask for. Situations and circumstances we didn't foresee. Health issues we didn't want. Loss of loved ones and friends and family. Life itself is a struggle for peace. So when we look at our passage this morning, when we look at what it has to say, we have to wonder what exactly is God trying to get at? What did he try what is the message he's trying to communicate through these angels to the shepherds, but really by extension to all of us. Let's look at the passage once again. Verse 8 is where we begin. It says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. There it is. The concept of peace expressed. Jesus would later say in John chapter 14, verse 27, My peace I give to you. So why do we struggle with it? Why is it so foreign to us in so many ways? Well, I'm convinced that the primary reason is that we're trying to find it 
where it can never be found. We're trying to find it in tools and imaginations and in plans and in ideas and in concepts and, and, and other things that can never ultimately truly provide peace. We try and find it in our government. We try and find it in uh, marches and, and reason and logic. But the problem with all of those things is that those are all born out of, those all originate in what? The simple heart. And that which is... Uh, Sinful, that which is in rebellion, that which is in uh, rejection of God and his plan and his desires can never result in peace. It can never lead us to where we need to be. It can never offer us the contentment that we long for. It's important that we see in this passage, the individual emphasis here that has a corporate implication that Christ did indeed come to give peace. He granted us that peace. And that's made clear to us in, in three very clear lessons from our passage this morning. The first is simply this. Real peace is peace with God. That's the ultimate form of peace. That's the ultimate expression of peace. Part of the reason this passage has led to a lot of different songs about peace on earth uh, and so forth is because of, of how it was rendered in the King James Version. And what you have is between the King James Version and, and the version that uh, is used by most modern translations today is is simply a one-letter difference. One-letter difference changes how the passage is translated, how it's rendered. And so the King James Version, of course, is the one that most of us grew up learning, memorizing. It's in the Charlie Brown special. So it's one we know and, and we hear uh, yearly. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Which makes it sound like, makes it seem like that what you have here is the angel saying, I'm here to bring peace to all of humanity. And in a sense, that's true. It's not, it's not an erroneous statement, even if that's whichever statement you're going with, whichever translation or, or text you're going with, they, they do express truth. Jesus did come to give peace to all of humanity. Scripture tells us what? That God doesn't desire that any should perish, but that all should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He came to give peace to everybody. The problem is what? That we have rejected him. We've not listened to him. Even those of us who are believers and have accepted the gift of life and transformation and change, we still struggle with what? With listening to our Lord and Savior. We want to do 
what we want to do. We want to go where we want to go. But probably, in, in my opinion, the, probably the better reading is indeed what the, the, the more modern translations go with. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased, or those who receive his favor. In other words, what the angels are saying here is that there will be peace for those who receive God's grace. Those will be, there will be peace in those who receive the offer of salvation that this child comes to give. There will be peace for those who what? Who have peace with God. Who have a relationship with Him. Because that's what we were created for. When God created humanity, the, the Scriptures tell us what? He created us in His image. And there's a lot of different opinions as to exactly what that phrase means specifically. But generally, from an application standpoint, simply what it means is he created us for a special relationship with him. We're different than all the rest of creation. All of creation can recognize him, but not all of creation can have the type of relationship with him that we can. That's what we were made for. That's how we were constructed. And we struggle with peace because we're looking for it every place but there. As C.S. Lewis suggested, perhaps part of the reason that we can't find peace in this world, in the things of this world, is because we weren't created for this world. We were created for something bigger. We were created for something better. We were created for peace with the Creator. Paul says in Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Essentially the same words that the angel said, right? He said, I bring you good news, for unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a Savior who was Christ the Lord. Paul says we have peace with God through our Savior who is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that peace with God is, is not just about getting to heaven. It's not just about the world to come. It's about this world too. It's about what we can experience here and now in this present circumstance. Theologians call it the, the now and the not yet aspect of salvation. That there is a, a part of salvation that certainly is in the future that, that's different, that's glorious, that's, that's wonderful, that's transformative of the very essence of who we are. But that that begins right now in our present circumstance. How can we find peace with each other if we don't first have peace with our Creator? Jesus said the two great commandments are what? 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't do that second one if you haven't done the first. You have to have that peace with the God who made you, the God who's called you, the God who directs you, the God who knows what's best for you. Angels proclaim it. Jesus lived it and actualized it. And we as a church live it out. Second truth about this is is that this peace is not something that we ourselves can go and lay claim to. It is a peace that is granted as a gift from God. It is a result of his favor. For by grace are you saved. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We would be lost, confused, ruined if it were not for the fact that Jesus came and lived a perfect life and died as a perfect sacrifice in my place, in your place. And then rose again in victory in power and majesty. Ascended to right hand of the Father, to sit and intercede on our behalf. What a glorious gift. What a precious and wonderful gift from God. And he did it while we were in rebellion. Paul says in Romans, while we were yet sinners, while we were yet haters, while we were yet rebellious individuals, Christ died for us. Can you imagine? Could you have even come close to doing anything like that? I couldn't. I am so good at holding grudges. I'm so good at at wanting to get back at the people who have mistreated me or people I love. Don't cut me off on the freeway. I might say some of those things. Words unbefitting a Christian, much less a pastor. Don't mistreat people I love or you might feel my wrath. In a number of ways, even more so than how you treat me. But that's not what Christ has called us to. That's not what God has called us to. And that's certainly not what God himself did. While we mistreated his son. He loved us. As he watched Jesus grow and heard the the jeers or 
the ridicule, the shaming from that no doubt came from the people of Nazareth. Oh, he's that kid. Conceived out of wedlock. You know how that works. And as he began his ministry, people questioned him, threatened him, sought to harm him, and then ultimately crucified him. God the Father's watching the whole thing. And at any moment, him or the son could have said, Enough. I'm done. I gave you all a shot. And this is how you treat it. But he didn't. He kept on. He kept on giving. He kept on reaching. He kept on loving. So that we could receive peace. We could receive and experience that connection with God. Connection that, that Paul describes in the last chapter of Philippians as a peace that passes all understanding. Doesn't make sense. And yet it's there. So why do we still struggle with it? Those of us who have believed, those of us who have received, those of us who have experienced it. Because the last thing that the angels say here is that peace is completed. The journey is completed when we place God in his proper position. Glory to God in the highest. It's not the highest glory, but the highest God. It's not our capacity to acknowledge him. He is already there. He's in control. He is powerful. He is wonderful. And because of all that, we can find a future. We can find a direction. But it all comes from that power and that majesty and that, that glory that he possesses being made manifest in our life as what? As we are responsive to his position, his authority, his command. How will they know that you are my disciples? Jesus said. One simple sentence, your obedience, your obedience to me. And where be obedience comes from, first and foremost, is what? An acknowledgement that he's bigger than us, that he's grander than us, that he's more significant than us, that he deserves our obedience. Why do we disobey in this world, just in everyday life? We disobey our bosses. Why? Because we don't respect them. We disobey our parents. Why? Because either we're too little to recognize their authority or we're too stupid to. Teenagers. I love teenagers. I love our teenagers. But we all struggled with it. We all struggled. 
Why do we as adults fail to recognize or obey God? Because we don't give him in our thoughts and in our minds his proper footing, his proper standing in our lives. Out of sight, out of mind has become almost a mantra of Christians. Not in terms of what we say, but in terms of how we act. We don't see God, therefore, maybe he doesn't see us. I saw a video the other day of a, a dog that was trying to get to something in the house that they'd been told not to get to, and they were doing it with a, with a blanket over their heads. A dog. The dog assumed that since they couldn't see the master, the master couldn't see them. And so they were creeping on over there with that blanket over their head until the master called them out. Sometimes I think that's how we are as Christians. We think, well, he can't see me, or I can't see him, so therefore he can't see me. And we walk towards those things we're not supposed to be walking towards. And we participate in those things we're not supposed to be participating in. And we say those words we're not supposed to be saying. If we want the new year to be different, if we want our lives to be different, and it grows out of results from keeping God in his rightful position in our lives. And we do that by prayer, by Bible study, by worship, by giving, by sharing our faith, by carrying out the spiritual disciplines that God's given us to train our hearts and our minds to continually reflect upon his position and place in our life. That's how we'll grow. That's how we will experience peace. Today is, as you all know, my last message. And I thought about what to say and to conclude the message today as we talk about peace. and For me, there's no better place to go than Scripture itself. So I want to leave you with Ephesians chapter 6. Paul's last words to the church, churches surrounding Ephesus. And you'll notice that Paul here in this particular closing doesn't get as specific as he does in other letters. Normally it's you and he mentions people and leaders and so forth, but the church, the, the, the letter to the church at Ephesus was written to a multitude of churches in the area, not just one church. It was a circular letter. In fact, in the, the first verse of it, when he says to the church of, in our translation it says Ephesus, in the earliest Greek manuscripts, there's a blank there. So that any church could put their name in it as it was passed around to various churches. And so I think this is a, a fitting word to, to us of all Paul's letters 
This one is the one that most, I think, directly applies directly to us. Peace to the brothers and sisters. Peace to y'all. And love with faith from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. That is the source of peace. Love and faith grounded in the truth of who God is. So as we come to our time of invitation, it's a simple one. Take the time during our singing, during our moment to consider your love and your faith for God. To ask him to help you in the year ahead, in the years ahead. To keep him in his proper position in your life. And if by chance you're here this morning and you've never put Christ in the position that he belongs in, you've never given your life to him, never surrendered your whole being to his command and leadership. Let today be the day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for each person here. I thank you for the gift of your son. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts here today. That you would grant the peace that only you can grant. That you would help us to see and to understand and to live lives with you in the position that belongs only to you. Lord, help us to be responsive. Help us to be obedient. And God, please, if there's anyone here who does not have a relationship with you, draw them in your power and help them to be responsive. We love you and praise you. In Christ's name, amen.